All right, so um, we are, uh, we're in this series called What If the Church? We've been talking about this for a few weeks. We're going to spend, a, I don't know, some more time in it probably. We've been talking, Dan and I talked before service today about how many opportunities there is to complete that sentence. What if the church fill in the blank? And it's really a look at maybe um, looking at Scripture and saying, you know, is the church what it was intended to be? right? Um, and, uh, and God is in charge of his church. We believe that's true. It's always been true. And his church is nothing more or less than his people who are called by his name. That's how we identify the church. Some people think a church is a building. Some people think a church is a place you go. But the gospel says that the church is the people of God. He says that he makes his dwelling in you, and together he builds you into his house for his glory. And so we have this idea that the church, as we've come to understand it maybe in our, in our current um, situation isn't all that it could be or should be um, in Christ. And today, uh, we're going to ask this question, what if the church believed Jesus, right? And uh, that's kind of a funny thing to say, because you go, well, if it's a church, it should believe Jesus. But I I don't know that we always do uh, believe Jesus. Last week, uh, Lance brought some pretty hard teaching from Scripture, uh, from Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus said, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, I never knew you. That's a pretty hard teaching, right? Um, And also that, um, you know, he, he, he's on our side, that, that we can ask him for things in prayer. And, uh, and sometimes I find myself, when we were talking this week, I find myself that I, I don't believe Jesus enough. I don't believe him enough. And um, the truth is this, and before we jump into the passage for today, uh, Jesus, I don't know if you know this or not, and it's kind of the, the secret, so don't tell everybody, okay? But uh, Jesus said some crazy things. Have you read your Bible at all? Yeah? A few of you read your Bible? None of, none of you by show of hands have read your Bible? You're in the right place. You finally made it to church. We're glad you're here. No. I mean, you've read, if, you, if you sit down and read Scripture, Jesus said crazy things. He, he said things that were so crazy that um, people began to hate him for the things that he said. I'm just going to few through them here that you may have heard before, but Jesus said this. This is one that's crazy to me. Uh, he said, love your enemies... And pray for those who are against you. That's what he said, right? That seems crazy to me. There's nothing more counterintuitive than loving people who hate you. That makes no sense to me, you know? Um, uh, something else that he said is that, um, that you should give to the poor. And that the poor, by the way, here's his follow-up to that. Give to the poor, right? And they're going to always be with you. So for any of you who have some kind of hope that eventually you're going to take care of the poverty problem, Jesus says you're not, but you're supposed to give anyway. That's interesting, isn't it? Jesus tells us um, we must be born twice. That's crazy. It's so crazy that the person that heard it said, how can I possibly go back in my mother's womb? That's literally what he said. You must be born twice. I thought of that with our blast instructors in the back. How would you teach that lesson? You would literally take a baby and say, the baby's been born, but it has to be born again. What? That's crazy, Jesus. He taught many hard things, and I think the big part of our problem sometimes is that we don't believe him. We don't believe him. So today I'm going to ask that you would pray with me as we enter into God's word, that he would help us to believe him more, help him Help us to know him more. And uh, we're going to ask for his wisdom. 
Pray with me if you would. Father God, today as we come into your house to worship you, to sing praises to your name, to clap our hands and stomp our feet, and just proclaim a great good news that you've come to save those who by default hate you, Father. Uh, that you sent your son to die for us even though we stand daily in opposition to your plans for us. What a great uh, message of mercy. I, I pray today, Father, that we can set aside all the stuff in our lives and there's so much and just set it aside and we can focus on you, that we can set again at your feet the great teacher, the great I am, the great present God and learn from you. Today we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit that we could know truth, that we could understand the scriptures that you've inspired for us. And may we be changed. May we walk out of here never the same for your glory and for the good of all of your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a pretty radical thing that that's what God says he'll do through his church change his people forever for his glory. Check out the, we're going to look at um, John chapter 14. If you didn't bring a Bible, and if you don't have a Bible, grab one on the end of the roads, and you can take that home with you. But we're going to look at John chapter 14, verses 5 through 14. I'm going to read them, and then we're going to talk to them. Can you push that slide for me, Ruth? There we go. It's on page 752, if you use one of our Bibles. We're just going to read this together, and then we're going to talk through believing Jesus, okay? Starting in verse 5. Thomas said to him, that's Jesus, he's speaking to, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus replied, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may be, bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. It's the word of our Lord. He literally told us as his followers that we can do more than he did. Now, apparently you guys don't read your Bibles a lot. Let me run down some history. Jesus did some crazy things. He didn't just talk crazy stuff. He did stuff that people couldn't figure out how he did it. He, he did, we call them miracles. He would, he would heal people. He would do things differently. We talked last week about how, how he asked people, what do you want? And they said, we want to see. And he said, fine, you can see. And they could see. People blind from birth could, be, could see for the first time. Some people he told to go off and to wash in a lake, and they came out and they could see. One dude, he spit on the ground, and he made mud with spit, spit mud, which is kind of gross. And he stuck it on the guy's face, and he washed it off, and the guy could see. One guy, they dropped through the roof of the house where Jesus was and laid him down, and Jesus healed him because of their faith. 
And this Jesus, who all these Thomas saw, Philip saw, do these things, these guys were with him, these guys, Jesus turned and said, you can do even greater things than these. I wonder, do you believe that that's true? Do we believe that the church can do greater things than Jesus? That's a pretty radical thought. It's right there in verse 12. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me, listen to the word, will do what I've been doing. It doesn't say you might do it. It says if you believe in me, you will do what I've been doing. And then he adds, as if that's not enough, he says, he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And we're going to talk about that. Now, I've heard some people try to, and here's one thing I have a problem with, when people try to explain away hard things in Scripture. And I've heard people say some things like, well, we do do greater things because now we have hospitals, you know, or we do do greater things because now we have educational systems or we have Bible teachers or we have whatever. We think we've invented some stuff, some man-made stuff that can replace the stuff that Jesus did. The problem is this with that theory. There were already men doing stuff before Jesus got here, right? They were called Pharisees. They were, they were called uh, high priests. They, they were the people of God, and they had a system that was working. They were caring for the poor. They were teaching the word. They were, they were being what they thought was faithful to God. And into that system, Jesus did some things they had never seen before. So when Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will do these works I've been doing. He's saying it's different than all the stuff. So I don't want to apologize that away with things that we think we've done, that we can somehow explain Jesus' statement here, that we're, we're expected or we're called or we're supposed to do the works that Jesus has been doing. Um, and maybe, I don't know, what do you think? I mean, has the church done greater things than Jesus? Do you think? I mean, sometimes I think we talk about Jesus like he's that awesome guy that was way back there somewhere, right? We like put him on a stamp or we put him in a shrine or we put him somewhere in our lives and we say, boy, wasn't he cool? As if he has nothing to do with the present or the future. That's not who Jesus is. Well, I want to walk through the text, and I want to challenge us with a few things. I hope this is a blessing to you today, that, that you can see that there's this radical truth about following Jesus and what a call it is to believe in him. Check it out with me in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Isn't that funny? I mean, Thomas, this guy who's been following Jesus around for a while now, says to him, we have no idea where you're heading. If you've read the Gospels, you know that when Jesus is supposed to go here, he goes there. When he's supposed to go there, he goes here. He goes where he wants, when he wants. So it seems to the apostles, and they say, we don't even know where you're heading with all of this. The truth is that it's hard to believe in Jesus sometimes because we don't know where he's going. And we see him, and we say, how can we follow you there? We don't know where you're going. I bet you right now, we could do a little experiment, and I could say to all you guys, hey, follow me. Follow me. Gilliman, really? Not even you? 
You're in the front row. Maybe if you would have started, somebody... Okay, so I bet if I was really serious, kept walking, maybe somebody would go outside and say, what happened to the crazy pastor preacher out there? <laughs> you know? uh, but eventually, no matter how far you've been following me, you're going to finally say what? Where are we going? Where are we going? And the truth is that many times with Jesus, we aren't willing to believe, we aren't willing to follow him because we don't know where he's going. I just want to start out with some comfort there because here's Thomas, man. Thomas, I think, gets a bad rap and, and, uh, from us, not from God because God loves Thomas and is faithful, but from us. He says, we don't even know where you're going, right? So how can we know the way, right? How are we going to get where you are, Jesus? Because we don't even know where we're going. And this is Jesus' response, and this is the second point. So the first is we don't know where Jesus is going. That's why it's hard to have faith to believe in him. But the second is this. Jesus says these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? Now, you've probably heard that verse before. And, and many times we use that verse against people. Right? We use it to refute all arguments against Christianity and Jesus. We use it to, to put up a, a defensive barrier or something with people, right? People have their own faith. They have their own beliefs. They have their own lifestyles. Everyone on this whole planet, not just people here, everyone on this whole planet is living out a faith system they have. They're living out a belief system, whether it's, you know, the government will save you, the government's evil, whether it's the world's doomed or the world's going to be euphoric, whether it's, you know, there's plenty for everybody, there's not enough for anybody. Whatever it is that people, people are believing it in the world, everyone's a believer. And so here we use this verse where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except me to say to people, yeah, well, you're all doomed. But here's, here's what's interesting, and this is for the church. He's speaking to disciples here. He's speaking to us. When, when Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we follow you? He's looking at us right in the eyes, and he's saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's not preaching against the world. He's preaching to his people. Thomas, do you forget? Jesus is the point. Following Jesus is the point. And there's no way around that. And we take this scripture and we never self-apply it. We never think about ourselves doubting Jesus, not following him faithfully, not believing that he's leading us to the Father, which is what the answer is, isn't it? He says, no one gets to the Father except through me. Where are you guys heading? To the Father. You're coming through me. Do you believe you need Jesus in your life? I'm afraid for many in the church. We believe that he's this gateway, you know. We believe that he's like the entry point. We believe that he's that person we need to meet at camp when we were young or that our parents told us about or our pastor preached to us about. We believe that he's this kind of thing that we have this momentary encounter with, but then we get on with the real stuff of being a follower of God. That's a lie. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. Right? And, and those, those three things help us to understand Jesus' role in our life. The reason it's so important to follow him, to believe in him, is because he lays out our path for us. He's the pathway. That means when things get hard, when we're confused, when we don't know where else to turn, we follow Jesus. He is 
the pathway. Literally, he's where our footsteps lie, one after the other. The second is, he says, I'm the truth. And I love this because in the Bible, truth is described as no lies. And I'm going to say this to you this morning, but Jesus is the only person in your life that won't lie to you. That's why he said crazy things. Because we, we can't tell each other the truth. We're afraid we'll hurt each other, but he knows to lie is the biggest pain of all. And so he won't. So we go to him with our concerns or our prayers or our petitions, and he tells us the truth. He's the only non-liar. The only non-liar we know is Jesus. And then the, the last thing is he's the path, and he's the truth, but then he's also the light. And let me tell you this. He's the light in a dark world. The whole planet is lit up. I'm looking out there. It's a gorgeous day, man. Broad daylight right now filled with darkness, filled with lostness, filled with confusion, filled with hurting people. And Jesus is the light of the world. You know what, you know what the word says, of the, the Bible says about heaven? <laughs> My favorite things. You know what the Bible says about heaven? It says there will not be day or night in heaven because Jesus will be the light. Like, that's it. Eternal light. One of my favorite authors writes about speculations about heaven. It's C.S. Lewis. And he, he thinks about what it would really be like to live in the light, really be like to be real with Jesus. Jesus teaches the disciples here not only is he the way, the truth, and the light, but he is also the only way to the Father. And, okay, this is funny, but this is one of those things that for us, it doesn't bother us. But Jesus called God our Father. When people who were following Jesus said, Lord, we want to pray like you. You rock. You have an awesome prayer life. How should we pray? He said, pray this way, our Father. And some people who had their religious systems in place got mad because they go, you can't talk to God like he's your daddy. But Jesus did, and he told us to. I am the way to the Father, he said. This is how you get where you're wanting to go. He knows our deepest needs, and he's fulfilling them in himself. So Jesus is the point. Verse 7, Jesus goes on and says, If you knew me, you would know my Father as well. And so from now on, you know him, you've seen him. Jesus is the fulfillment. So Philip chimes in here, and he says something. He says, well, Lord, just show us the Father, because he hasn't figured this out yet, and that'll be enough for us. Like, okay, we get the Jesus stuff, Jesus, but if we can get past the Jesus stuff, onto something else. And I, I think this is remarkably striking what Jesus says next here in verse um, 9. He says, and we're going to jump through, but I'm going to talk about, he says, Jesus answered this way. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been amongst you for such a long time? Okay, first of all, I want to stop and just say this. Jesus has been demonstrating his faithfulness to you and to me for our whole lives. And everyone else. You know, like people are like, well, I didn't have a fair shot to believe in Jesus. I, I, no one told me the right answers. No one told me the right questions. No one read me the right scripture. Jesus is revealing himself to his people all the time. And, and he tells Philip here, even after I've been with you a long time, now you're going to say to me, well, Bill, you see, Philip was actually with Jesus. Like I'm with Gilliman, right? He could touch him and he could smell his body stink when he wouldn't bathe for three or four days. You know, he could, he could whatever, get aggravated about snoring or giggle when he walked on water just for fun. Whatever it did, Philip saw it. 
And Philip says, how can you not believe me, Philip, when you've been with me? But I think the same question stands for us. How can we not believe him when he's been standing for us? One of the hardest things to realize when you hear the gospel of Jesus is that he's always loved you as much as he ever can love you because he can't love you more. And in that moment of our lives, we're completely transformed and changed, and we are, as Jesus would say, born a second time. We begin to see his mercy and grace over us, but he's always loved us, and he's always loved you, and he's been with us for such a long time. He goes on to say this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. He's like, don't you believe that this is true, that we are one, the Father and I are one. The words, now listen to what he says. This is radical. The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And this is really awesome for the church. Because I asked the question, what if the church believed Jesus? But Jesus, when he prayed in John for the church, he said the same thing about us. Jesus is the first to demonstrate this reality of what we call incarnational ministry, meaning God in and amongst his people working out his glory and their good. And Jesus demonstrates this by saying, he could have easily said, you're right, I'm awesome, and this is all my stuff. And he'd have been honest in that, but he said, I am only telling you what my father tells me to tell you. And look at what this says. It's his work through me. Jesus says, all the miracles I've been doing, everything I've been, ha- has been, you've been so impressed with, is our father working through me. And that's a radical thing for him to say, that God is working through Jesus, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves, he says. If you, if you won't take Jesus' word, take him as work, you know? Sometimes in life, this is what convinces people to believe in Jesus. It's not all the words. It's they see someone they can't explain. That was my experience. There were people in my life I couldn't explain, right? Maybe that's true for you. Maybe there's people you can't explain, you know, God forgive us when people can't explain us. We talk about that a lot, our tendency to just be merely humans and not believe in Jesus. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and follows me. And check it out. I tell you the truth. Here's verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And that was the verse we started with today. Um, but I want you to get this, that Jesus lived out his faith. You know, he lived out the will of his Father among us. As a matter of fact, and I'm stunned by this because last week we talked about prayer, and this week kind of feels a bit like prayer too, but it's believing in Jesus. But it's really wild because when Jesus went to the cross, right, the perfect son of God, the perfect man, the only sinless, non-lying person to ever walk on this earth, when he was looking at the cross the next day, he's in the garden, and he told his father, I would rather have this not happen. Right? That's when Jesus was praying. When he's sweating blood, he says, Father, 
let this cup pass before me. And then he adds, not what I want, but what you want. The fancy church way to say it is not my will, but your will be done. Right? And we go to that, but he does, he says, I would rather not do this. But I'm going to do your will in my life. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he suffered the shame of the cross. A gift. He's the incarnation of God's love for us. All right, so he says then, so you got all this kind of leading up here. Okay, so he's this perfect embodiment. He is the point. He is the way. It is for us, not for others to use that against them. You can use it if you want to to win an argument, I guess. It's a lame use of Scripture, right? I mean, let it work in your soul that he is your path and your light and your truth. Let him define you. But he says, you will do the works I've been doing. And that's a challenge. That's why I say, Jesus says crazy things. Crazy to me, not crazy to Jesus. And he says, he will do even greater things than these because, and here it is, I am going to the Father. And you can't miss that. So Jesus doesn't say, you're going to do greater things because you're awesome and I've made you awesome and that's all good stuff. He says, you're going to do greater things, church, because I am leaving you to be with the Father. That goes back to what we said earlier about, you know, Thomas and Philip. Well, you were right there. Jesus says, you have more power than Philip and Thomas because I was with them, but I'm with the Father. Because I'm going to him, you will do greater things. And my question is, now listen to this teaching today. What if we believed Jesus? I mean, what if we believed him? What if we believe that because right now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, he is pleading on our behalf, he is guiding us, he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell among us, to teach us, to give us knowledge and wisdom and insight and understanding and discernment and guidance and truth and life? What if we believe that and live from that place? Instead of saying, Jesus is that cool guy back there that did something for somebody, I hope it works for me. Because I'm going to be with the Father, he says, you will do greater works. I'm convinced if we believed Jesus, the church would be doing what it's called to do, including me, by the way. Gosh, I'm not picking on you. I'm like, it's what he said, and he's not a liar. The last few verses. 13, and, and I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Son may glorify the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And that's the funny bit because it's the power of Jesus' name. I mean, it's the power of Jesus' name in our lives. I don't know how many of us actively believe that. When we, you know, Dave Stahl did a great study one time for the men of this church because his granddaughter asked him a question, her grandson, I apologize, I got that wrong. Uh, why do we say in Jesus' name in our prayers? You know, and Dave, in all his honesty, said, I don't know. Let me go find out. It's become a throwaway word for us, isn't it? At the end of all your prayers, make sure you say it or somebody will be mad. And I know some of you rebellious people out here pray sometimes and you don't say it. You know, rule breakers. <laughs> You just say amen, like that's enough. <laughs> it's not going to be answered, but whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever you want in your prayer life, 
I guess. Read your Bibles more. Um, no, it becomes this throwaway because we don't even believe it when we say in Jesus' name. We don't say a prayer. We don't say, Lord, get me out of this mess. I need help desperately, and I'm asking you in Jesus' name. God, would you bring my family to salvation? They're going to die and spend eternity separate from you, and that's going to be horrible. I'm asking in Jesus' name. God, I need to understand what to do with the situation I'm facing. I need your divine inspiration. I need your help. I need insight. I need wisdom. I need it. I'm asking in Jesus' name. James says this. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I got news. Jesus is your righteous man. And when we believe this, when we believe Jesus... We believe his promises and we ask in his name, not throwing it away, but really believing it. He's right there at the Father saying, yeah. I'm going to bring you glory. I'm going to bring you glory, God. That's an amazing thing to me. I hope that you're challenged in that today. I mean, I am. I hope that the words at the end of your prayers become, we ask these things in Jesus' name. But it becomes more than that prayer your grandma taught you to say before you eat your meal. I hope. It becomes a cry of our souls. God, we want more. We want it in Jesus' name. Now, for some of you, you're sitting here and you're going, dude, I don't even get what you've been talking about. Crazy Christians, you know what I mean? Your Bible stuff or whatever. I don't know, I remember being that guy. My favorite prayers in the Bible came. It was a miracle, by the way. It's written down. It's pretty cool. Jesus was walking through, and some guy come up, and he's like, God, Jesus, would you, would you, would you heal my son? I mean, he's sick, and he's dying, and I need him to be healed. I'm so desperate. Would you do it? You've been doing it for everybody. Would you help my son? And Jesus asked him a question. He said, do you believe I can do it? Do you guys know the answer to that question that guy gave? It's my favorite prayer. My favorite prayer is in the Bible. He said, Lord, I believe. Just help with my unbelief. I'm like, what? I believe you can do it, Jesus. Just help with my... And maybe that's you today. Maybe you don't believe in Jesus Maybe you want to believe in Jesus, but you just don't. You just can't. That's a prayer for you today. Yeah, Jesus, I believe. Just help with my unbelief. And maybe you're like me, and you need to believe more in Jesus. And you're like, I believe in you, Lord. Just help with the places I don't believe in you. Because he has better plans for us. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. As we continue to worship, Father God, today we've come here to, to learn more from you and to hear of your great plan for your people, Father. And I pray we would never make it this man-made religious stuff that we had before Jesus got here. I want it to be about you. I want it to be about your presence. And I, I want my life, not just, you know, but my whole life to become about Jesus, about what he's done and is doing and will do in my life and the world. And I know my friends here today may be praying the same prayer. 
But I know, Father, that we come from desperate situations and there are folks here who are going, yeah, but not me, or yeah, but I thank you so much you've come to save those who believe they're the furthest from you. I pray that today you would do that work through the power of your Holy Spirit in a surprising way that you would draw us to yourself. Not because we've been fighting with each other and arguing each other and all those things, but because you've been loving us with truth and drawing us near to yourselves. And I pray, Father, that we could learn to believe you for all of your promises. I pray, Father, that you would give us the gift of faith that we can trust Jesus no matter what. No matter what. Because we are going to be with you for eternity. And for that truth and that promise and this life, we give you praise and glory every day. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name.